The following is recorded for Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Good morning. How are we doing? Awesome. I'm so glad to see you guys. So glad you're here. I'm Pastor Matt. If I haven't got to meet you yet, um, I'll be in the coffee bar right after service. I'll buy you a cup of coffee. And um, <clears throat> best coffee you're going to find. And uh, I would just love to meet you, shake your hand, uh, get to know you a little bit. As Ryan said, we have that guest card, the communication card, and we'd love for you to fill that out. <clears throat> the, uh, the, the, the landscaping, we'll, we'll get that scheduled in the next uh, couple of weeks. That's been the running joke for a year now, I think. But, um, but we do have driveway approaches. So if you drove by, we have a driveway, which is an incredible win. It's awesome. Yes. Yeah, um, and so uh, we're getting we're, we're getting close. I mean, so things are happening. You're seeing things happen, and, and uh, we're excited, but uh, we understand this, that God is in charge of that timeline, and he leads us with peace, and we're going to rest in that peace for his timeline, and uh, when we get there, it's going to be great, and we're going to do exactly what he called us to do. The, uh, the video, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the responses to that. Your favorite daycare memory, because four and a half years old, I guess we could say 54 months. I don't know when you stop calling your kids age by months, when that happens, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing those videos because it's been incredible what we've seen God do in a daycare. And it's not just because of a daycare or just because of a building or a facility. What happens is it's because of people. And when God inhabits his people, big things happen. And what I love about over the last four and a half years is beyond everything that we could have creatively imagined with this facility, God has done incredible things, and we've been able to see lives changed. We've been seeing uh, people that, that had no relationship with Christ come into a relationship with Christ. We've seen marriages restored. We've seen people healed. We've seen, it's incredible. I, can, I mean, I could just go on and probably spend another four and a half years talking about what we've seen incredibly over the last four and a half years and, and how God is good, and he, he continues to move through that. And I love that he's given us this place. Uh, but it's easy for us to think that a church is a building or a program or a location. I'm never going to get tired of saying that um, because we tend to think that um, the church is an institution that we can visit. The church is not. This is the church. We are the church. People are the church. And we've got to understand that. This becomes a sacred place. It's a daycare during the week, but it becomes a sacred place because the church comes in and inhabits it. The facility that we're building is just a facility. It's walls, and, and it becomes a church when we inhabit it, and the praises of God's people start rising up, and the glory of God comes out of that. I, I'm so looking forward to that. I got to go to a conference this week and um, uh, went to attend the conference, but ended up got, getting the opportunity to speak about, uh, about God's plan. And so it's kind of, that's one of those, you know, if you know me, that's a big fear of mine, getting called up spur of the moment. I told you several months ago, I walked into a wedding and they were like, hey, pastor's not here. Can you do this? And I'm like, um, I mean, I went into stupid mode and luckily he walked in. Um, this week we go to a conference and uh, the lady in the exhibition hall was like, I want you to share that story. Can you, can you teach at this breakout? Would you mind speaking this breakout? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then for the next hour, I'm praying, God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. Um, but I, I love that I got to tell other pastors that the church isn't about a building. Uh, it's, it's about the people. It's about those that have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb and that the Holy Spirit brings together and they come together for a purpose. And, and as we talk about being the church, 
Um, we've talked about the church being the bride of Christ. We've talked about being um, set apart by the blood. And today I want to talk about the church being the body. So if you've got your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I love this, this analogy that Paul uses. He actually touches on this uh, topic of the church being the body in Romans, Ephesians, and 1 Corinthians. And we're going to focus in on 1 Corinthians. But I love, I, I love this word picture. I think a lot in, in, in pictures, and I like diagrams. And, you know, the, the picture books are awesome for me. I love magazines because I love the pictures, you know. And, and so it's, 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 it's hard for me to get my imagination flowing just around words. I've got to build some kind of picture in my mind. And I love this picture of the church being the body because the body is so incredibly, incredibly amazing. There's been thousands of years of study of science on the human body, and we're just barely scratching the surface. I mean, it's incredible when you start getting in and looking about how fearfully and wonderfully we're made and how in our mother's womb, God knit us together and that every part functions and every part has a function and every part is needed within the body. I, I, I just It's incredible how Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, draws this word picture out for the church in Corinth. And I believe it holds true for us today. The, uh, the church in Corinth that receives this letter from Paul um, in the first century was dealing with some issues of division. Uh, there was some abuse of the, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, there, was, uh, uh, there was ways that people were saying, I'm better than you based on what God's given me. And I don't know if that happens today. I've, I've heard telltale of it. But I believe this letter is in Scripture because there's truth for us today. And Paul's going to bring out three incredible truths in this. And I know normally we, we kinda, I kind of read a little bit and bring a point, read a point, and, and, and flow it that way. I want to read this whole passage today. And then I want us to, to kind of circle in on the truth that Paul has given us that the Holy Spirit wants even the church today to understand. Because we've got to realize this truth. The church in Corinth, it was a local body of believers in the city of Corinth. That's our brothers and sisters. That's part of the body. And so the teaching from the head, who is Christ, through the Holy Spirit to his body in Corinth, holds true for us today. There's valuable truth for us as a function of the church and a function of the body. And I'm not just talking about the creek. I'm talking that we, we need to think larger. It's easy for us to think that the world revolves around the creek, but it doesn't. It's easy to think that life revolves around the creek, but it doesn't. It's about the kingdom. It's about the church, the, the church in a much larger context. And we've got a calling and a purpose to engage as a part of this local body in a part of the much larger calling and context of the kingdom of heaven. So 1 Corinthians 12, if you don't have a Bible, we have some on the ends of the rows for you. If you don't own one, write your name in it. That's our gift to you. If we've got a smart device that you can get a scripture on, version is a free app, and you get several translations of the Bible. And uh, it's easy to search. It's easy on the table of contents. And uh, um, if you have trouble finding out where scripture is, there's a table of contents. God put it in every Bible. And it's, uh, uh, it's you know, um, it's just as inspired in my opinion. Um, I believe every word of it. 1 Corinthians verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but many. 
if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it, wouldn't, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. I love that Paul's bringing this to, to this, this church in Corinth because um, the, the, let's get to the bottom line. There was abuse of the spiritual gifts. And Paul's having to, he's, he's bringing in this, and this whole section of scripture, not just this passage of 1 Corinthians, but this whole section of scripture is, is beautiful in a sense that Paul is dealing with um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, how those work, that there's order in how the Holy Spirit works and that love binds these things. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, he's finishing up this section and he says, but I want to remind you of the gospel of which I preach to you as of first importance. You see, when we talk about the Holy Spirit and the gifts and the gifts were causing division in the church in Corinth, anytime the Holy Spirit moves on a believer, it's to make the person and work of Jesus absolutely clear. It is the gospel of which it is first importance. The gospel is this. It's that Jesus Christ is the son of God, born of a virgin. He walked a perfect life, a sinless life. He walked a hill called Calvary. He was placed on a cross. He gave up his life as a ransom for our sin, as a payment for our sin. His blood was shed so that we could have reconciliation and relationship with God. He was laid in a borrowed tomb, and on the third day, he walked out of that tomb victorious, victorious over death, over sin, over the grave, over sickness, over everything. And he holds the keys to that victory. That's the gospel. That's the best news the world's ever going to hear, whether it be in the 1040 window or whether it be in Fort Worth, Texas. That is the best news anybody is going to ever hear. The best thing for us as a church and the best thing for the church is not what gift the Holy Spirit has given us. It's that we have the gospel and that we've been called to go out into all the world and share that gospel. That's the greatest gift the world's ever heard. Jesus Christ is the greatest gift. And so Paul's bringing them back to the centrality of this truth. And the reality is that that God does give gifts to every one of his kids. But we can start to use those to say, I'm better than you. I'm more mature than you. And we can start to abuse those to build our kingdom instead of his kingdom. And then what happens is you start to see divisions and factions in the body. And um, Paul even had to deal with it. I'll follow Apollos. I'll follow Paul. Even even the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and said, hey, we, we just need to know, are you the one? Or is there somebody else coming? We've got to be very careful about how these divisions work because the enemy has a field day when there's division in the body. And one of the truths that Paul brings out in this passage is that the body is held together in unity. There's many parts, there's one body. Because I get frustrated and say, because I'm not like you, because I don't have the same gifts you have, I don't want to be a part of this body. There is unity that happens. And it's not unity that 
that I can muster or I can rally or you can rally. This unity comes through the Holy Spirit and that's received when we are converted, when we are born again, when we're transformed, when we're regenerated, when we're saved, whatever terminology it was put in, when you heard the gospel, here's what it means. You're made new. You were dead and through the, the, the Holy Spirit giving you life, you are now alive. You've been transformed. You are being made in the image and the likeness of Christ, who is the Son of God, who is perfect. You will not be perfect on this side of heaven. Trust me. What happens is the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body at that point of salvation. And the Holy Spirit is given to bring unity to the body. What what saddens me and what I believe grieves the Holy Spirit is how much division occurs in the body over the Holy Spirit. That which God sent to bring unity, the enemy is trying to use to bring division. And it's important for us to, to understand what unity is, what it looks like, and to walk in it. I get, I'll kind of help clear about who we are as a church. I get asked this question, and I can tell, we're going to do a mailer in the fall, and I can tell you when that mailer hits mailboxes. A couple things happen. Our website blows up, my email blows up, and my phone blows up. The most common question is just, is posed in, Three words. Are you charismatic? And that means, and they're basically asking, do you believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And to that I say, absolutely, yes and amen. I believe in every gift of the Holy Spirit, every gift that's listed in Scripture, and I don't believe that's an exhaustive list, but I believe God gives gifts to every child, every one of his kids. One of my spiritual gifts is sarcasm. <laughs> and depending on how I feel when that question is asked, Man, there's a whole lot of scenarios that play out in my mind. I, if it's an email, I just want to respond in wingdings, you know? Be like, you, you can translate this if you're charismatic. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the reality is, yes. I believe in all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I want those gifts. You see, I've, I, I've seen that in, in America especially, you can build a church without the Holy Spirit. And here's what I've seen. You will not see lives changed and eternities impacted without the Holy Spirit. And I would much rather see what I've seen over the last four and a half years with the Holy Spirit than than to try to do anything on my own. That question comes from a place of baggage. Are you charismatic? It comes from baggage and it really comes from one of two sides of a spectrum because when we deal with hurt, we tend to shrink back to a far side of a spectrum. You know, if you, if you grew up in a, in a household, maybe with an alcoholic parent, we tend to shrink back to the other side and go very legalistic. If you were saved out of an incredibly dark situation, the tendency is to swing towards the other side out of, out of that hurt. And that, that hurt plays out in so many areas. And here's where that hurt can come from, where are you charismatic? It's maybe they've been in an environment where they've seen incredible abuse of the gifts, maybe like in the Corinthian church. And maybe they've been beat up. Maybe they felt like they weren't as mature as anybody else because they didn't have the same gift as everybody else. Paul said, you don't seek one gift above the other. God has given each one of you a gift and you're to use that gift. 
And when you've seen that and been in an environment where that's abused and you come out and maybe you're in that transition of a, of a church and you say, you know what, I, 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 I just, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be a part of this body. You're still a part of the body. And it's important for you to be connected to the body and unified with the body. And so you may, you may come to the creek and it, it might be that question is, are you charismatic? Because I've seen this abused and I want to know that when I come into this environment, I'm not going to deal with that hurt again. Or it might be on the other side of the spectrum is I was in an environment where it was just free for all. There was no structure, no order. And, and Paul deals with that in this section that God is a God of order. There is order to how these gifts are done. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, not a hijacker. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And the prophecy is subject to the prophet. So Paul's saying, what you're doing, and I mean, in the Corinthian church, it was, it was haywire. And Paul's like, how is Jesus made clear by you doing all that foolishness? All you're doing is making yourself look like a fool and calling it the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is getting lost in the mix. And maybe that, maybe that question's coming from that environment, and, and maybe they were sat down by their leadership and said, you've got to exercise some control in here. God is a God of order. And so they're coming at, so when I come to the creek, are you charismatic? Am I free to do whatever I want? <laughs> Negatory, good buddy. Here's what the truth is. Anytime the Holy Spirit moves on the life of a believer, it's to make the person and work of Jesus clear. So the gospel, which is of first importance, can transform a life. The gifts are to edify the body, the church. And so we walk in this unity. And this unity comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. Us being able to to be in the same room together is a gift. When you go to lunch and you look at other tables at the restaurant, you'll be able to tell the Christians who are there because there's no way those people will be sitting at the table together enjoying that kind of conversation unless there was unity of the Holy Spirit. I mean, just when you go to lunch today, take a look. Take a look. They're going to beat you to lunch because we just we just we don't roll on the Baptist schedule. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> We will soon, four to six weeks, man. Um, so, um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to make you laugh about when we move in. I mean, really, I've gotten so much mileage off of the four to six weeks. <laughs> so, um, but there, there has to be unity in the body for it to sustain life. The parts of the human body have to work together in order to sustain life. And we have to do that as the church. And we understand that in this unity, I love how Paul talks about this in Galatians 3. He says there's neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, male nor female. He says, you're all united in one body in the Holy Spirit with Jesus as the head. So we, we walk in this unity. We celebrate this unity. There's another thing we celebrate, and that's diversity. The body is an incredible display of diversity. You think about the difference of cells and the difference of parts of your body and how the unity brings them all together for a function, for a purpose. It's for life. Can I tell you that the body of Christ exists for life? Because there's a dead and dying world around us and we are the body and we're to be producing life. We're to be producing life internally, inside the church and we're supposed to be sharing that life outside the church so that the body continues to grow. 
I know what growing a body is all about. I mean, I look at this. I mean, you, you plant a church and it's 15 pounds immediately. I mean, you just, boom. I, I, I would speak at a church. If I could speak at a church planners conference, I'd tell them, you start working out now. Because when you launch that church, you're going to see 15 pounds. You're going to increase like you've never seen before. And they're going to be like, yes, yes, yes. You're going to gain 15 pounds. Boom, like that. First week, I gained a lot more. I've lost some, but I'm working on it. But there's incredible diversity. Life is a balance between unity and diversity. And, and here's what I've learned. Unity without diversity produces uniformity. And uniformity typically produces death. You see, the thing that scared me the most, not the most, one, things that, one of the things that scared me quite a bit when we launched the church was all the conferences, books, and mentors and everything said, within the first year, the church is going to look just like the lead pastor. And I'm like, we in trouble. And so Heather and I started praying for that diversity from day one. God, we want to see, we want to see a mix. We want this to be a melting pot. We want, my best friend calls it the gumbo pot of church. Everything's in there. There's something of everything in that gumbo pot. I love that about the creek. I love that we can be who we are. We can celebrate that and we're united by the Holy Spirit. We're one body. We celebrate that. Uniformity will kill us. The goal is not to get everyone to behave the same way. Christianity is not behavior management. It's to operate in the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit... um, that baptism that happens that brings us into the body happens at conversion. And so we don't have to continue to seek um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We have to continue what Paul says in Ephesians 5 is to be continually filled by the Holy Spirit. That fulfilling and filling of the Holy Spirit is what accomplishes the mission. You see, I don't want all of us to have the same gift. I don't want our entire church to be a hand. I don't want our entire church to be an ear because all we can do is hear and we can never taste and see that the Lord is good. We can never communicate within the body, but we need the filling of the Holy Spirit to continue that process. We need the Holy Spirit to move in every fiber of our being that regardless of what body part we are, and yeah, when you think in body, there are some parts that are visible and some parts that need to be not visible. There are internal parts There are external parts, and not every one of us has the same function. And that's okay. Not every one of us has the same background. Maybe you didn't come from a place where you saw the gifts of the Holy Spirit used in a a proper way that edified the body. Maybe you grew up in a a place where where the the Holy Holy Spirit, he's welcome here, but he's got to keep his stuff in check. Maybe you grew up in a church like that. I grew up in a church like that. No movement at all during worship, except this. If you saw this in the church I was in for a little while, like that, that's the deacon rock. If you see that deacon rocking, you better watch out. Revival is fixing to break out. You see that a lot? You see that happen down the row? Mm-mm. City's coming under siege by the Holy Spirit. You might see somebody clapping during service. I have a diversity of church background. I love that. People say, well, what's your church background? I'm a mutt. I'm a spiritual mutt. But you know what? I got the blood of Jesus and I got the Holy Spirit and I'm ready to go change the world. 
And that's what it's going to take. You see, the diversity in the body is what fulfills the mission for the kingdom. Because the mission is for us to have life. The mission is for us to give life. In order for that to happen, we have to have the unity and diversity working together. Not uniformity, but the unity and diversity so that life happens. I mean, you, you, you think about this. Uh, um, I used to play a game when I was in church, um, when I was uh, growing up in church, and the, the pastor would speak for about 48 minutes, and then, be, then there'd be an altar call. And uh, I would sit and cross my legs, and I would just time how long it would take that foot to fall asleep. Now, I'm not telling you this so you can do this on me. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm sharing some of my background. But I'd wait to see how long it took that foot to fall asleep. And then when it fell asleep, I'd let it just keep going. You know, that deep, the foot's going into a deeper sleep, and it's just numb. And then you can't move it anymore. I don't know if you've let your foot get that foot. You can't move it. You're like, ah, oh, I think I'm moving it, but it's not moving. And then you start getting that pins and needles effect. And then about that point, the pastor says, let's pray. The only problem was we had to stand for that prayer. So I'm standing like this. You know, and I'm trying to tap my foot so it'll get life back into it, blood back into it and everything. And, you know, so naturally at the end of some of the service, somebody, I've got the gift of healing. You need some help? And I'm like, no, it's just asleep. Just need to wake it up. The unity and diversity in the body needs the blood moving through every part of the body. And some of the parts of the body fall asleep. And you know what we got to do? We got to get in there and get them woken up because there's movement that has to happen. There's things that have to happen. There's lives that are sitting around us right now in despair and brokenness and sin and death. And we are the body to go get them. And we've got to wake up the feet of the body. We've got to engage the hands of the body. Let the heart of the body start pumping that blood that is the gospel. And the head says, go. The body doesn't go anywhere without the head saying, go. The head is the central part of the body. Nothing happens without the head doing it. And the head, just to show you how vital the head is, I took, some, I took a, uh, a medical class this summer and we were dealing with uh, treating injuries and triage and stuff like that. It was awesome. I'm trying to get over my fear of blood, but uh, it didn't work. Um, but they were talking about when you, when you come in and you're trying to, trying to treat multiple issues uh, in, a situ, in a situation, you look for what they call compatibility with life. And they said there's a term used in the medical field for first responders called incompatible with life. And they said, does anyone want to give any examples of incompatible with life? And I realized for the first time in my life, I knew the answer was a severed head. That's the only answer I've ever been able to give, a severed head, and it was the right answer. But I said a severed head, and they're like, exactly right. The body cannot function without the head. We cannot function without the head. And the head controls everything the body does. The hand, my, I can only move my hand because my brain is sending the signal. Move your hand, move your hand, move your hand. When you stub your foot, you only withdraw it because your brain says, that's not supposed to do that. So we celebrate how the body works together. And then the thing that Paul really goes into is the goal of the body is maturity. Paul goes into the next section in this, um, 1 Corinthians 15, and it's a very famous chapter. It's the love chapter. I use it at every wedding. And when you look at that love chapter in context, Paul's saying you're unified by one spirit. 
You've been given one spirit to drink. You're one body, many parts. You have unity through the Holy Spirit. You celebrate your diversity. But the way that you mature in that is through love. Because love is patient and love is kind and it's gentle. It does not brag. I've got a gift you don't have. It rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love never fails. And Paul brings them back. He says, of all the things that you do with the gifts and all of the things that you do as a part of the body, the circulatory system has to be love. There has to be love pumping through your veins at all times. Otherwise, it becomes about you. It becomes about selfish ambition or vain conceit or trying to show how mature you are over what you can do that someone else may, be, may not be able to do. And Paul says, you've abandoned love. Let me tell you what maturity means is that it, when we operate in love, it's I love you, period. It's not I would love you if, or if you just get better in this area, or if you just mature in this area, I would love you more. No, 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 I love you, period. Let me give you the ultimate example of God. It's the cross. He loved us so much, he gave his son for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. No greater love than this. That's the maturity of the head. Saying, I love the body so much that I'm going to do what it takes. Ephesians 5, Paul talks about the husbands and wives, and he says that a husband will care for his wife as he would his own body. And Jesus cares for us as though we are his body. And he says, I'm developing in you maturity, well-formed character. Heather and I are in a strange season in her house. I've got one daughter that's a senior in college and one's a senior in high school. And we're on the cusp of empty nesting. I mean, our oldest daughter lives in Canada. We only get to see her a couple times a year. Our youngest daughter is going to be going off to college. And Heather and I are like, we're going to be empty nesters. We're in this weird phase of life because we kind of got emotional the other day that our kids are leaving. And it brought me back to this truth. We raise our kids to lead. We love our kids into maturity so that they can go out and engage in the life that they've been created and called to live. God has a purpose for every one of us. And he's developing that maturity as a part of the body so that we can grow up and we can do what God has created and called us to do. Here's, here's what I know. Maybe you're struggling with some of your identity uh, in, this, uh, in this body. Maybe you're struggling with what your purpose really is. Maybe you're struggling with this idea of unity because you've been dealing with some hurt. Um, and we balance that. I mean, all of these things have to work together. I mean, this could really be circular points of maturity, unity, and diversity. And we operate in that love. And I know this, that when the body hurts, the whole body hurts. I hurt my back in the gym a couple weeks ago, and the whole body feels it. My whole body feels it. 
My whole family feels it. Can I tell you this? It's, it's an encouragement. You may be hurting. You may be experiencing pain. And you may not want to feel the unity because maybe that hurt has come from the church. Whether that's here at the creek or another church, you've experienced some hurt from the body. Can I tell you this, that the only reason you know you're experiencing that pain is because the head has already said there's pain. And the head understands exactly how to tell you how to feel that pain. That Jesus, who is the head, tells you how to respond in that pain. And that the head, part of the, the just the, the natural systems of the body, automatically kicks into gear to start bringing healing to the part that's hurting. That's the body ministering to the body. That's the body caring for the body. And if you've been hurt, and you're dealing with pain, or you're dealing with scars, you're dealing with baggage, and this whole idea of unity is, is, is off-putting to you, let me encourage you that you are a part of the body. As someone who is in Christ, if you have given your life to Christ and the gospel has transformed you and Jesus has made you new and the Holy Spirit has brought you in, you're a part of the body. We may not know you're hurting until you vocalize it, but I can tell you this, the body hurts with you. And the head does not desire for that pain to be in the body. The goal is life. <laughs> to give life and to produce life. And I I was going to close this thing a little differently, but I, I, I just want to pray for you um, because maybe there is that hurt. Maybe, maybe you're hurting physically, I don't know. Um, maybe you're hurting emotionally. Maybe you're hurting spiritually. But I just want to close this service out as the body ministering to the body. And I want to tell you that, that if you're not part of the body, then I want to invite you to be a part of that body. And it simply happens when you say, Jesus, I need you to be the head. I believe that you love me and gave yourself for me, and I want the life that you have. I want the healing that you have. I want the hope that you have. We try to really make this a complicated process on becoming a Christian, but it's as simple as this. It's receiving the gift of grace. Jesus loved you enough to give it to you. And then all the gifts from the Holy Spirit come after that, but the first thing is that gift of grace. And that happens with love through a relationship. And you can start that relationship. I'm gonna pray for that, and then I just wanna pray. And if, there's, if you're sitting with somebody um, I'm not asking you to get weird. Don't lean over and say, are you hurting? Um, if you're married, then you know. If you're friends, then you know. And if you know the person next to you is hurting, I just want you to put your hand on their shoulder. Put their, if they're your spouse, hold their hand. And I want us to partner in prayer. I want us as the body to send the message back to the head that, we know the pain is felt, but we're now waiting for your healing to come.
and we're ready for the body to minister to the body through the perfect head. Let's pray. Father, right now, just if there's anyone in this room that's not a part of the body, I pray that through just the beauty of your Holy Spirit, that you've opened up their their eyes and their, their heart this morning in this moment of, of tenderness. And I just pray that uh, you give them the courage to say, Jesus, be the head. Be, be, give me life. Bring me into a part of the body. Yes, I am different, but you've called me to be different. You fearfully and wonderfully made me. And you've called me into your body. And so, Jesus, I ask for your gift of grace. Give me the humility of spirit to receive that gift. Make me new. Bring me in as a part of your body. Father, there are people in our body right now and in our midst right here today that that are dealing with pain physically, emotionally, spiritually, whether that's pain of a relationship. A doctor's report, whatever it is, God, I know that we only feel pain because it's gone through to you. And that you have allowed us to feel that pain and there's great purpose in that. And I ask right now, through the Holy Spirit, who is our healer, who is our comforter, who is our peace, who leads us into all truth, who brings conviction, who brings repentance, Holy Spirit, fill us. And I pray in every body, every individual body of this collective body that where there is pain, you begin to remove that pain. Where there is hurt, you redeem that hurt for life to happen. Father, if there's any parts of the body that are asleep, let your blood move bring life and alertness to that part of the body. Father, I pray for physical healings in this room. I pray for pain to be subsided. I pray for reports to be changed and for doctor's reports of negative to be turned into a praise report that that maybe only a doctor could say, I have no explanation, but it was there. Father, for those that are emotionally hurting and emotionally scarred in this room, I pray right now that you begin to bring a peace into their mind. I pray that you start to help them feel strong, even in their emotions. I pray that you start to help them hear what you're whispering to them. It may just start with, I love you. But the emotional hurts that we carry because we don't think we're loved, we can hear you saying, I love you. For those who are spiritually hurt, I pray that your Holy Spirit wash over them and show them your glory, your perfection. And we repent for our imperfections. We repent for us trying to glorify ourselves. We repent for that hurt as the body. We ask for total healing in this place today. I ask that we walk out of Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.